and we're rolling. Welcome to Crypto Blockchain Podcast. We are here with Oreste, and I'm going to let Oreste introduce himself. Uh, my name is Oreste. <laughs> um, I uh, I've been following the crypto space very closely for about a year and a half or so. I would hesitate to call myself an expert, uh, but I have a good grasp and a good handle of things. And he's being modest, of course. He's uh, he's extremely uh, well versed in the crypto and blockchain, and that's why we're here talking about crypto and blockchain. And this week, one of the topics that we want to cover is moonshots. And we've already uh, had a pre-podcast discussion about moonshots. The core ideas that we were trying to talk about is what is the impact of technology on our species in general? And how do we want to think about this going into the future as a species. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this? So sure, I mean, there are a lot, many different uh, kind of bleeding edge uh, technologies emerging. We're talking about AI, we're talking about blockchain, we're talk I mean, Bitcoin specifically, uh, in my opinion. Um, and I mean, we will get to the double edged sword a little bit later, I guess, but um, certainly the, the power of Bitcoin can be incredibly disruptive. Uh, the idea that we can transfer wealth uh, between one another um, without censorship resistance, uh, without a third party, um, and the fact that we're responsible for our own, the storage of our own value, I think is something the world has never seen before. And the repercussions of this uh, will be felt for many years to come. I agree, and I think uh, you've obviously thought about it from a positive, uh, optimist's perspective. And I guess there's, uh, like you said, there's a double-edged sword, uh, technology being a double-edged sword. And I think the core ideas that I want to talk about is like, what is the impact that blockchain, crypto, and other exponential technologies, what is that impact going to be like? going to the future um, that's I mean that's the question so what is that future gonna look like how will Bitcoin change it um, in, in terms of transferring the ability to transfer value amongst ourselves um, I mean I'm, I'm of the opinion that I mean no technology is inherently good in and of itself uh, there are both positive and negative consequences associated with that uh, but clearly it was designed to challenge uh, the kind of hegemonic um, global monetary structures uh, that exist and have existed for quite some time. So will it be able to uh, facilitate transfer of value uh, seamlessly between individuals? Absolutely. Uh, what effect that will have on society at large uh, and our monetary uh, systems, that will remain to be seen for sure. Absolutely. And uh, I guess specifically we were talking about Giabo. <laughs> Giabo is a phrase that uh, I heard recently. It basically stands for uh, the Global Insurrection Against Banking Occupation uh, and obviously also against Corporate Occupation. Um, I won't touch upon the intricacies of Giabo currently, but I guess the core points that we were trying to make is that since 2008, there's been this huge um, influx of uh, fiat capital that's been 
in the system and we definitely have to think about what currency is going to be the reserve currency going to the future what is the impact in terms of social constructs what is the impact in terms of our um, progress as a species and a lot of various uh, complex challenges that our species faces so do you want to tackle that? yeah um so i mean I, to be honest with you this is the first time i've heard that jabble but i can sense that it kind of comes from the kind of crypto anarchist kind of philosophy um certainly probably some uh libertarian uh influence and in, influences in there as well which makes sense in terms of the genesis of bitcoin the cypherpunk movement etc um i mean i can see i understand the perspective um from the bitcoin evangelist but i would hesitate to assume that all of our world problems can be solved by sheer market forces alone um as we discussed before uh, human beings are inherently emotional inherently um social beings and the kind of cold hard uh, supply and demand free market model is wholly incapable of incorporating a lot of the things that make us human beings right um, so i i see the power of the technology um i'm eager to see how it develops how people uh use it um the kind of uh, what that adoption curve will look like over time um and it's not necessarily the price of bitcoin that is the most exciting or appealing but the fact that it can be used outside of the traditional economic system now in terms of getting back to jabo um i mean i i certainly wouldn't you know agree or espouse probably with a lot of the values of that of that kind of idea organization um but it's impossible to ignore the 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 possibilities that bitcoin opens up absolutely and me being the optimist that i am uh you know we've uh, kind of covered the store of value the minimum of exchange the unit of accounting and how it all ties into our um, blockchain ecosystems as a whole and we've also kind of touched on how um you need some level 1 technology as well as a level 2 technology in order for our species to find these solutions um and the solutions specifically have to do with uh solving for frictionless payments frictionless finance for the masses uh which uh, may not be a magic bullet per se but it's something that will propel us into the future so are you yeah i think you might probably that's you might want to explain a little bit about or kind of unpack the kind of level 1 and le- level 2 for your listeners because i think um i think it's it's worth it's worth explaining absolutely yeah so level 1 you know in my frame of uh, references basically the core technology so as, as an example in the internet uh, uh framework you have basically tcpip as the level 1 technology because it's the protocol layer and because tcpip is a protocol layer most developers don't really build on the protocol layer they build on http which is like a level 2 technology built on top and so when i'm able to 
build a level two technology using the tools that you know developer tools that are available in the level two uh, and they solve these uh, use cases which are business logic heavy but they are domain specific or they can be cross domain but still solve specific business business cases then it frees up a lot of uh, cognitive bandwidth for developers rather than having to build on level one technology which would be extremely time consuming to build on the level two technologies and so in every technological leap forward i think we have this concept of the base layer being the core level one technology and then the level two technologies being a user-friendlier version of that and in our example the level one technology is the ethereum blockchain for instance and the or the bitcoin blockchain for them for that matter and the level two technology is the smart tokens i mean the uh, other tokens that are built using smart contracts uh, so yeah uh, that's the explanation so um you're in terms of the moonshot you would you would maintain that it's the combination of the level one and level two right and i think obviously you need the combination because the level one is kind of core and central to your um, ideas and then the level two is the business logic specific and domain specific solutions right and i think so you need both and maybe at some point we'll realize that we maybe need a level three or something but mm -hmm. again uh, i i think you at least need a level one level two and so when we talk about you know finance i think the financial industry is going to have a fundamental re-architecture uh, going forward because you know the fact that there is this concept of the Giabo or you know in terms if you want to put it in layman's terms you know there used to be uh, King Louis in France and then he was overthrown with the storming of the Bastille during the French Revolution well people are pretty upset <laughs> to put it mildly that uh, there's this trillions of dollars that you know only went to the top 0.1 percent since 2008 and did not materially impact uh, their quality of life since then in fact it's been deteriorating since then so if you aren't providing the average person with a way to improve uh, their standard of living and in fact uh, affect and empower them right you're 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 leaving them with no option but to ask for a transformation of the system and so these technologies that we have democratized at this point and and they're almost mainstream because the average person can now understand what bitcoin is uh, or even blockchain for that matter uh makes it so that humans feel more empowered even if they don't have all the tools to empower themselves if i may ask so yeah. um i think i would disagree with you uh slightly mm -hmm. um in terms of the average person um kind of having access to the technology or knowing how it works or learning about it i think in fact i would argue that at this point um there is a very small percentage of early adopters and people um, that are either invested in this space um, or developing the space or working in the space 
And in my opinion, I would say the biggest obstacle to more adoption, never mind mass adoption, uh, is simple basic education. I mean, the kind of the narratives that have been painted um, by the media uh, and just by whomever really who talks about cryptocurrencies, uh, specifically Bitcoin, uh, is overwhelmingly negative, I would say. So first, it's a Ponzi, it's dead, um, it's boiling the oceans, um, it's based on nothing. And in fact, these were some of the questions and the barriers that I had to kind of struggle with over many months to kind of finally understand what this thing is. Okay. And yeah. I mean, I would consider myself a relatively, you know, tech savvy individual. And yet it took me a long time to Okay, this is what a wallet is. Okay, this is what a, a cold wallet is. Okay, these are my private keys. This is what I. This is how I secure my private keys. Um, and then, well, before that, then there's you know buying the Bitcoin. Where am I gonna get it? Um, you know, <laughs> there's friction all, all along right. the way. So my point is, Das, is that I mean, until not only do we address that friction, but until we address like basic understanding of the technology, um, I think we're quite a ways away from any kind of mainstream adoption. I think when I ask anyone about Bitcoin or, or blockchain for that matter, it, the discussion becomes very, um, not confused, but um, I can sense that there's a huge gap in knowledge to the average person. Absolutely. And I think we have to account for the fact that, you know, it took people time to shift their mindset from sending going to the post office and posting a postcard to their grandparents versus sending an email and then doing a live video chat and that transformation took maybe 20 15 to 20 years mm -hmm. so that shift in mindset does take time uh, and i think in the case of blockchain it's also going to take time so um, I guess my understanding or my hope is that it will take these 15 to 20 years and eventually we'll think of blockchain as being mainstream and we won't even talk about blockchain. We'll just, it'll just be part of the protocol or the, the, the systems we interact with uh, and uh, it'll be mainstream but uh, you know only the engineers will need to fix some bugs in the system will have to deal with yeah, I mean you can you can trust the system and still not know how it works like we I mean we trust the Canadian dollar I have $20 in my pocket you know I trust that tomorrow that $20 will still be worth $20 right I don't have to know you know the policy of the Bank of Canada or right. the American dollar the Federal Reserve for example or if you have the European dollar the European Central Bank etc etc so um, when it becomes not only a store of value, but with second layer solutions um, like Lightning, for example, as a medium of exchange, uh, the technology will be normalized. Correct. Absolutely. And I think we're getting closer to the point where um, where economic policy over the last, let's say, since, well, for a while, at least since quantitative easing in 2008, since the Great Depression, shall we say? Um, well, not the Great Depression, the Great Recession, sorry. Okay. Um, you know, you can't just print money out of thin air without repercussions and consequences. And right. I think um, Bitcoin is certainly not only a response to that, um, but it might provide some answers as well. Correct. And also, we don't need to go into like the history of money and like Bretton Woods and 
going off the gold standard just to i guess for the average person to understand that value comes when you have a thing which either has utility or it's scarce uh, as a resource such as gold yeah. um, and uh, you know there'll there'll be things which are digital gold and they'll you know they may or may not be bitcoin yeah i mean not i mean maybe not to press this too hard but i think um, and i'm i'm you know a lot of podcasts talk about this a lot of people talk about the idea of bitcoin but um the way i see it is very simple i see something has value based on two things based on scarcity and based on trust right so scarcity we can tick that box because there are 21 million bitcoins right now trust is something a lot more difficult to kind of unpack um and to foster um so for you to trust something you not only have to kind of it has to enter the it has to enter the zeitgeist in a way that people all share the same the same trust the same ideals mm-hmm. um and that takes time right right i agree and uh, i think we also have to think about things like the scarce digital resources and some of those scarce digital resources can be considered to be stores of value and others can be considered mediums of exchange uh and you know we without going too much into the whole question of whether or not they should be considered securities um the whole notion of securitization and uh you know basically collateralization of any asset uh came about because you know we have a certain financial system and you know those guys are obviously smart bankers <laughs> but, quotation uh, marks or yeah, yeah okay. it's smart at your quotation yeah. marks okay. uh but they've made laws and you know there's the SEC and they have to regulate based on those laws but my general idea was that even the SEC wants for there to be more uh, democratization in terms of what the SEC considers to be accredited investors because you ultimately want to give more financial power to the masses and so i think even the laws that uh, regulate what is a accredited investor will evolve and so the whole question of whether or not something is a security will be a dynamic uh, thing and it will change over time Yeah, I agree. Certainly, I mean, you know, laws change over time, absolutely. Um but I think um what's important for the the current the current um landscape of cryptos is that they it, certainly the the laws will evolve over time, but certain let's say, you know, projects or blockchains that have um that have ICO'd um will have the full flex of the SEC come down on them. I have no doubt about that. True um, and so obviously that's their mandate, right? Their mandate is to kind of regulate anything that they think might Yeah. Well, yeah. they want to they want to protect the average investor or at least that's that's the that's their mandate I suppose. Right. Right. And yeah, I obviously want for you know the good players, the good actors in the system to to do a good job but for the bad actors to go away and you know if there's like ponzi schemes then those should be weeded out um so having 
covered a lot of ground. <laughs> uh, what else uh, do we need to talk about? I mean, so we have kind of meandered here and there, but I think what we what we should I think come back to what we kind of started hinted at was the double-edged sword, right? So um, the idea that technology isn't necessarily like this like this magical saving force, right? Um, whether it be like you know AI, uh, whether it be um, a blockchain technology, for example, um, space exploration, um, any of these kind of moonshots, uh, you know, that are kind of on that are happening right now that we're all on the bleeding edge of. Um, it's not necessarily going to solve all of our problems. Yeah, right? and they're and coming at us pretty fast, right? You absolutely, know, yeah. absolutely. So, um, getting back to Bitcoin in terms of in terms of the double-edged sword. So, again, the main proponents like it, it came from a very libertarian perspective. Uh, whereby you know the market um, is the best way um, to govern society, basically. So, um, in a, that would kind of, in my opinion, that would be a very stark world in which you know the the supply and demand curve of of a particular asset would be the the, the biggest driving force um, in the world. I mean, again, we are you know inherently emotional and and uh, social beings, and to exclude that. Um, from the most basic level of functioning of the system, I think. Uh, I, I mean, again, I would, <laughs> I would look at that future place and and be and wonder, you know, what kind of world will we be building building for ourselves? And that's like an, an edge of that double-edged sword, is it Absolutely. not? Absolutely, and I agree that it's a future that's hard to comprehend, uh, considering how much change we've seen in the past 10 years and how much angst and anxiety uh, there is amongst the average people, uh, average person with regards to the pace of change in technology, right? Yep. So on that note, I guess we can wrap up, but I think we've touched upon a lot of topics that we can go into the details in future podcasts. For sure, sure. Um, maybe if I could just maybe one, mention one more thing, it's just top of mind now, we didn't talk about earlier, but um, in terms of throwing technology at, and, at problems and fixing them, um, and, and again, speaking to the social and political aspect, um, I mean, we see a very fractured and polarized world, um, especially politically. I mean, after, um, after Obama was elected, we all thought, oh my gosh, like it's a new era of hope. And right after his heels, you have someone on the complete other end of the spectrum. I mean, talk about two edges. I mean, geez. I mean, and to assume that technology can can just, you know, solve everything, including these immense political divides, not only in the West, but I mean, in, in, Euro in, in Europe, especially in the East, the Far East, the Middle East. Um, uh, I mean, we have serious soul searching to do and serious um, bridges to build um, before we even think about in my opinion you know um, setting up colonies and in uh, in far away places although certainly it's worth pursuing is it Absol not absolutely I think uh, considering that we haven't been the most uh, responsible species on this planet and uh, haven't <laughs> have we haven't left our future generations with 
a good enough planet we we owe them also some debt uh maybe we can offer them a new planet <laughs> hopefully maybe <laughs> all right and on that note uh, let's wrap up for this week thanks for joining us thank you for having me thanks bye